All right. So uh, we are in a sermon series. If you uh, are interested, uh, we're going through the book, Jesus is the Question. Oh, that's reversed. That's a mirror image, but just trust me, that's what it says. Jesus is the Question. And um, the, the, the book's thesis essentially is that uh, Jesus is the quintessential Jewish rabbi who is less interested in giving you definitive answers to your questions and more interested in engaging you with questions, stories, parables that invite you into deeper relationship, right? Deeper relationship with Christ, deeper relationship with the, the text itself, deeper relationship with God, because I get to respond to questions. I get, an imp I get input. You're not just telling me something. I'm, I'm like, oh, you're asking me. Well, let me... I've got to think for myself. I've got to recognize how difficult these questions are. It leads to humility. It leads to kind of an open-mindedness, a critical thinking. And so Jesus is doing this perpetually, right? So Jesus gets at, or Jesus asks 307 questions. That's a lot. He only answers three, three of the questions directly that get asked to him. So he resists the easy answers we were talking about during prayers of the people. Jesus rarely gives us simple answers because the world we live in is complicated and it's gray and it's contextual. There's benefit in just engaging good questions, just thinking about them, wrestling with them. That in and itself cultivates character in us and draws us into deeper relationships. So I've had a challenge. I said it last week. I'll say it again. My challenge is that through the course of this sermon series, you are thoughtful about asking more questions in your own life. Ask questions of the people in your life that you love. Think about the kinds of questions you would want to ask. So I've been doing this with my kids. How do I engage them in creative questions that get them to open up to me, right? How was your day? Fine. That's not creative. I can't get anywhere with my kids, right? So I'm trying to find like, what was the most fun thing you did at recess? And then it's like, oh, they light up. Well, then that gets me into all kinds of other questions about, oh, who's that? I've never heard about that. So I'm trying to figure out how to do that. But there's so many relationships with colleagues, with spouses, with family members, with neighbors. Instead of me waiting to share my piece and talk, which I really love to do because I like, I mean, that's, why do you think I'm a preacher? Uh, I'm trying to say, no, 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 no. Me talking isn't as important as me asking questions. So I'm going to challenge you in that. And my second challenge was that you might email me questions that you have about whatever it might be. And I'm not suggesting I have answers for those, but uh, I do think the questions you provide me will spur on future sermons as those, with, with those questions as the heart of them, right? Um, and that maybe we'll be able to wrestle with some of those things. So please send me your questions. Uh, today, uh, the story comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 8. And actually, uh, this story also occurs in the Gospel of Mark. It'll be familiar to most of you. Uh, Luke 8, verse 22. One day Jesus and his disciples boarded a boat. He said to them, let's cross over to the other side of the lake. So they set sail. While they were sailing, Jesus fell asleep. I mean, that seems reasonable. I'm sure the guy's probably tired. Crowds are falling everywhere, right? 
Gale force winds swept down on the lake. The boat was filling up with water and they were in danger. So they went and woke Jesus, shouting, Master, we're going to drown. But Jesus got up, gave orders to the wind and the violent waves. The storm died down and it was calm. Jesus said to his disciples, Where is your faith? And that's the question we're going to look at today. Where is your faith? Filled with awe and wonder, they said to each other, Who is this? He commands even the wind and the water, and they obey him. Where is your faith? In the Gospel of Mark, that same story, Jesus' first question is, Why are you so afraid? Where is your faith? And of course, this connects to a similar story in Matthew. It makes me think of a different encounter where Jesus walks towards them on the water. So they're out right on the lake and Jesus walks and then Peter comes out to Jesus. And at some point, Jesus, uh, Peter looks around and realizes I'm on water ah, and then starts to sink. And Jesus asks Peter a similar question. He says, uh, why did you doubt? Where is your faith? Why are you so afraid? Why did you doubt? They're all sort of getting at uh, a similar issue in us. Of course, for me, I kind of resonate with the disciples on this one. Um, so let me get this straight. Uh, we're on a boat. You're asleep. Gale force winds start creating all kinds of havoc in the storm. And so we ran down and in a panic woke you up. Like, oh, I'm sorry, Jesus. I'm sorry we all didn't just like, no problem. Who cares about this storm? Pass the tea. Like, oh, I'm sorry, Jesus. Were we just supposed to like assume you could command the wind and the waves to stop on our own? Were we just supposed to know that? Of course we were afraid. Of course we doubted. We're human, right? It, sometimes it feels like Jesus' expectations are just a little bit too high. Like, what would you do on a boat in the middle of a storm? But again... As much as I resonate with the disciples and kind of get like pushed back against Jesus a little bit here, his question has to be taken to heart, right? I have to take this seriously. Where is your faith? Where do you put your faith? What do you have faith in? Part of this um, question demands that we ask uh, an earlier question, which is like, what is faith? And you've heard me enough I always make a distinction between faith and belief. Belief is like my worldview, the things that I think are true. Uh, my beliefs often require evidence. I want sound reasoning. I want probability, right? Beliefs are often out of my control. Some things just convince me, are compelling, are provocative to me, like, yes, that seems true. And other things just don't seem compelling, are not provocative based on my life experience or my education or whatever it might be, my stage of life. But rarely do I, I force myself to believe something. I, I don't will myself to believe something. I either believe it or I don't based on how convincing it seems. But faith seems something different than belief. It's not just a worldview. It's not a set of information. It's not 
a, a creedal set of statements that I accept intellectually. Faith is more like a verb. Faith is something I do. Faith is about trust. It's about trust in a relationship. Do you have faith in this person means do you trust them? Right? How much do you trust them? Are you going to be, like faith is about am I going to be faithful? I can't separate faith from faithfulness, but of course faithfulness is a verb. It's, it's, a, it's a how you live. And that is something I do have control over. Right? I can, I can move out in faith in the midst of uncertainty. I can live a particular way. Faith as a verb. Something that helps me with this, and maybe you've heard this story, it's of the tightrope walker. So there's a, a, a tightrope walker, uh, you know, in between two skyscrapers is this rope, and the tightrope walker is able to go across, and the, and, the, and the crowds on either side, up on the roofs of these buildings are gathering. Oh my gosh, it's a spectacle. I can't believe this person can do it. It's amazing. And the tightrope walker is able to go across. They can go across while juggling. They can go across on a unicycle. And at some point, the tightrope walker gets the crowd riled up like, do you believe I can get across, you know, on one leg? Yeah, do you believe I can do that? Oh, we believe, we believe. And the tightrope walker says, okay, you, come stand on my shoulders and we'll go across together. <laughs> and all of a sudden, the crowd's like, ooh, uh, oh, I don't know about that anymore, tightrope walker, right? And this is the, like, helps me with the distinction between faith and belief. Oh, oh yes, I believe you can do it, tightrope walker. Woo! Get on my shoulders. Eh, no thanks. I don't have that much trust in you. Not with my own life. I don't have that much faith that you can do it. Faith is not mere belief. Faith is trust. Faith shows itself in how I live. The decisions I make, the actions I take, will reveal what I trust, where I put my faith, right? So, uh, uh, Martin Copenhaver, the, the author of the book, he says it this way, uh, and I really like it. Faith, properly understood, is a verb. Faith is something we do, not just something we think. Indeed, if language would allow, and earlier he criticizes, like the problem is our English language, faith is not, uh, is not how we should say it, right? If language would allow, we would say something like, I faith sometimes, I wish I could faith more often. In fact, I'm working toward faithing in God in all that I do. Because that would allow faith to be a verb. But the way we use it in English often, it doesn't look like a verb, right? That may sound grammatically painful to be faithing in God. But it seems theologically correct. Faith is not something we have with certainty once and for all, all the time, under all circumstances. Rather, it is something we do, sometimes more easily than others, sometimes more completely than others. Human frailty rarely allows us more than that. We are all capable of acting faithfully, but none of us is faithful always. If faith is a noun, it's something I possess. Like I either have it or I don't. Some of us would have it, others don't. But if we properly understand faith as a verb, it is something we do on occasion. Like Peter, who in faith 
gets out of the boat onto the water and moves towards Jesus and then doesn't faith quite as well and starts to sink. Sometimes I'm able to make the movement of faith, faith in God, faith in love, faith in hope or forgiveness, and other times I'm not able to make that movement. And I need grace, and I need forgiveness. But faith is not simply what you believe. Faith is a verb. It's about do, where do we put our trust and, and what do we do. The problem is in the world we live in, when we end up running against the experience of a world that seems out of control, division, mass shootings, injustice, poverty, you know, assisted living centers closing, uh, nowhere for interfaith sanctuary to, to house the homeless of Boise, when we run up against corruption and anger, it's pretty tough in those cases to move in faith towards God, to move in faith towards goodness or hope or love. It's so much easier for me to move towards alcohol or more money, security, safety, food, gossip, power. Those things uh, have more of my trust often. Trust to make me feel better. Trust to get me through one more day than God. So sometimes I'm able to faith well, and other times I faith poorly. Because of course, as you know, all of us have faith in something. All of us trust something. When I act in one way rather than another, I'm displaying where my trust really lies. Here's the call. Here's my hope for us. My hope is that our faith is that God gets the last word. That's my hope. Is that we recognize that no matter how bleak things look now, they will not get the last word. And if I believe that, and not just believe it, but if I have faith that, that anger and division and separation and trauma, if I truly have faith that those things do not get the last word, then I can move towards God. Here's some of my issue, though. Stories in Scripture often end happily. This is what's so difficult for me. Like, the disciples are on the boat, it's in the middle of a storm, and of course, I take this as a metaphor, like the storms of my life, the storms of your life, right? Ah, oh no! And they freak out, and they get all afraid, and they run down, and in a panic, they wake Jesus up. And Jesus gets up, and then is like, Oh, you disciples, where is your faith? Be calm, storm. And then, British Jesus, calmly and carefully, just calms the storm, and everything's great. And then he like has this life, oh, where is your faith, Peter? Oh, I'm sorry, Jesus, we'll, we'll have more faith or whatever. And then it's over. But here's the problem. You know what doesn't happen when my life gets out of control and I start freaking out? And I'm like, God, why don't you show up? Why don't you do something? Jesus doesn't just calm my storm. And it's really frustrating. Because in the Bible, like Jesus just calms it, but not in my life. It just keeps raging. And so, what am I supposed to do with that? God doesn't seem to be primarily in the business of making all of my life situations 
hunky-dory. Jesus just doesn't smooth out the difficulties. It feels like they ebb and flow. Things come together, things fall apart. An answer, a door opens, a, a bit of hope, followed by pain or betrayal or death, followed by a little bit more hope, and, and it's just this ongoing cycle of storms that, that God doesn't just take away. So what does faith look like when the storm doesn't get calm? When the person I love doesn't get healed? When the house that a person desperately needs doesn't come available? How do we live in faith in the midst of that storm? So I'm going to read another section in the book. So hear these words. I find them to be very powerful. I was once asked to summarize the Christian gospel in seven words or less. Think about that challenge. What is the gospel in seven words or less? My response was this. God gets the last word. When I was asked to expand my summary of the gospel to 75 words, I replied, In the death and resurrection of Jesus, it is clear that God is the kind of God who insists on having the last word, right? Resurrection gets it, not death. To be sure, this, this is important, to be sure, the second to last word which can be very powerful, can be given to something else. Despair, estrangement, hurt, evil, even death. The second to last word, the storm. But our God insists on having the very last word. And that is always a word of hope, of reconciliation, of healing, of goodness, and of life. So, to faith well <laughs> is not to believe that everything's just going to be fine, that the circumstances of my life will be calmed like the storm. To faith well is to know that even when the storm is raging, it will not, it does not get the last word. And that means you get to move towards God in the midst of the storm. That means you get to move towards love in the midst of the storm, in the midst of a world that needs it. You get to move towards grace and forgiveness and reconciliation. That's how you get to live, even when it costs you something, even when the person doesn't deserve it, even when it looks like that might seem risky. At Collister, we get to move towards affordable housing and the homeless at Interfaith and the disabled at Good Samaritan. And we get to move there even when we don't know how to help, even when it feels overwhelming and daunting. We're just going to keep trying to faith well together. At the end of the chapter from today, he tells the story of a couple. Uh, he was a pastor, and this couple was just amazing, such a great witness to the church. And the wife, Dorothy, had had cancer. It was in remission. She wasn't too old. She was like in her early 60s, pretty good health, cancer survivor, but then the cancer came back. And 
as you can imagine, there was great fear and anxiety, both in the couple, both Dorothy and her husband, but also in the church as a whole. And so he remembers a hospital visit when he was meeting with Dorothy and her husband and they were talking and they were praying and her husband was, you know, just filled with great fear, tears in his eyes and Dorothy grabbed his hand and said, I'm going to be okay. And her husband, Bill, says, yes, I know, Dorothy, and he begins to like say, oh, I know you'll be okay. The doctors say it looks good. And she says, no, 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 no. No matter what happens, no matter how things turn out, I'm going to be okay. That's the kind of faith I want. I don't have faith that God will fix things. I have faith that no matter what happens in this life, it will not get the last word. And if I really deeply feel that, know that, believe that, then it will show up in who I trust, in where I turn, some of you are in the midst of the storm right now, and my prayer for you is that your faith is not that everything will work out, but that your faith is that in the midst of the storm, you can turn towards this community, that you can approach love radically, that you can cry out to God in prayer wherever you are at, and that God's not going to leave you alone on that boat. The storm might keep raging, but God's not going to leave you alone on that boat. And it might get the second to the last word, but it's not going to get the last word. So let's pray. Lord, we ask you for more faith. The faith like Dorothy, that we recognize that no matter what happens, you've got us. That we're going to be okay. That you get the last word. Help us in the midst of whatever we are dealing with, to move just a little bit closer to you this week. We're grateful for your continued love and grace. Amen. If you would please join in our closing song.